Hello, hustlers. My name is Apurva, and I am the host of When She Hustles. Today, we have with us Varda. Varda is an incredible human being, and she has a bachelor's from the Kelly School of Business. She is currently studying international relations um, at Johns Hopkins and has gotten into some really great schools. Um, And I'm so excited to see what she has to talk to us about today. Thank you so much for being here, Varda. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited. Um, Before we get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your personal and professional background? Yeah, so I'm originally from China. I um, I grew up in China until I was 14, 15, and I relocated to um, New York City, to Queens, New York, to be exact, in 2012 to attend high school. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of family in the New York area, mostly in Queens. Um, and after high school, I came to IU to study marketing international business at the Kelly School of Business. And I also have a music studies from IU from the IU Jacob School of Music. And I graduated this May. So I am going to start a MA program at the Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies at the end of August. Mm-hmm. So yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. That's so exciting. Um, Yeah, yeah, so today Varda and I are going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to talk a little bit about masters. We're going to talk about international relations. um, And then we're going to talk about um, her experience as an international student in the U.S. and just so many cool topics. So let's dive right in. Um, So Varda, I want to talk a little bit about what, um, you know, what was your motivation to do, you know, international relations in grad school? Because you come from sort of a business background in the undergraduate degree. So what um, made you decide to take that route during grad school? Yeah, so I have actually been always been passionate about international relations, even in, um, even, even in when I was in middle school and high school, in particular intercultural communications and international development. These are like two fields I'm particularly very passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I kind of describe myself as an idealist. I kind of want the world that in which we all lived in to be better and everybody to um, can work together, can overcome differences and can work together. And I kind of see international relations can be like a bridge between that can kind of connect people from different backgrounds and cultures. Um, for various reasons, I didn't end up pursuing IR doing undergrad. Um, so I did like a business uh, degree instead, although I do enjoy reading about IR relating materials outside of my classes. Um, so how I made that decision is the, one of the most important um, reasons for me to make um, the change to maybe start an IR program is my involvement with Global Business Woman, which is mm-hmm. AI organization that promotes women empowerment and the communication and exchange of ideas between domestic and international women. So I had the immense pleasure of working with a team of highly motivated board members who came from like various different backgrounds and two very helpful faculty advisors. So that mm-hmm. played a very big role in influencing my business decision to switch to IR and I also took a couple besides my um, extracurricular activities I also took like a couple of classes that I um, when I was in these classes I was exposed to the idea of business and policy Mm -hmm. interacting with one another especially in my global policy alleviation class so if you if you want to take it, it's great. It's with Kelly Eskew, mm-hmm. one of my favorite professors ever at IU. And I would kind of like to explore the idea further, kind of just like how business and 
uh, public policy can interact and how they can make people mm-hmm. uh, at like the bottom of the socioeconomic pyramid kind of may, may not have maybe may help them to pursue like mm-hmm. a better life. Yeah. And I just thought that pursuing a grad degree in IR can, um, and I can use my undergrad business degree as a foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. And that makes so much sense. Um, I guess something that's really interesting about like your career path is that you went um, directly from undergrad to grad school. And now, um, you know, just because of COVID-19 and, um, you know, international students and domestic students also just not having enough job opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, That's something that a lot of people are considering doing. Um, what are some advantages of going directly into grad school from undergrad? Like, what do you think are some advantages for you that you've experienced? Um, definitely the issue of time. So mm-hmm. when you when you don't have to like work a few years and then um, some people, they chose to work a few years before going back to grad school. If you go to grad school directly, you can kind of like, um, I guess you kind of get out of school fairly yeah. young, I would mm-hmm. say. So that's... I kind of see as an advantage yeah. and then second I would um if you're interested about something if you have the opportunity and mm-hmm. you get didn't get to really explore it in undergrad then a yeah. grad program would be like a good way to do yeah. that dive mm-hmm. deep into that particular field yeah definitely um yeah and I agree I feel like a lot of people always tell me about how um mm-hmm you know, like what you said about like time and how it's like harder to come back to studying, you know, once you yeah. have been out there for a while. Yeah, that's what I kind of got to by because I've been talking with a lot of my cohort members and a lot of them, they already had like a few years experience. I was actually, they only, they, I was actually one of the um, people, I don't, I, I don't know how many people that came directly out of undergrad mm-hmm. to to the grad program but a lot of people I talked to that had like a few years of um experience already and they were telling me how it's maybe it, they're kind of um kind of a little bit apprehensive about kind of switching back to this whole student mode the school mode so yeah, yeah. That, that's something you could, should consider as well <laughs> yeah that's so cool um yeah so I know you got into like so many different great schools um what are some schools that um you got into if you feel comfortable sharing and then why specifically did you choose john hopkins yeah so i got into the university of pennsylvania and i also got into the university of southern california and then uh nyu and tufts university as well these are like and the few schools that I got into. And why special why Johns Hopkins? I know that JH is most famous for its medical programs. And that's what people actually ask me, like, oh, you're going to JH, are you going to into the medical field? Mm-hmm. Well, like unbeknownst to a lot of people, it's school international studies is also very highly regarded mm-hmm. in the field and is constantly ranked as one of the top IR schools in the world. So the master's program is very good. And um, so it actually has a very it's very it emphasized on the strong economics foundation so you have to take four uh, take four econ classes regardless of your concentration so i just feel like econ is uh, such a, a very important component you kind of have to know about yeah. that so uh, if you go into ir so that's one of the um 
things that attract me to this program. And then the, the school is also based in DC. It's in Dewpoint Circle, which is on Embassy Row. So a lot of think tanks, a lot of um, embassies actually nearby within walking distance. So I thought that was cool that you get to expose to so many different people and mm-hmm. so many um, yeah. organizations in the area. And um, I really like the school's hands. Um, they have a very hands-on approach to mm-hmm. classes a lot of professors a lot of professors also few practitioners so they yeah. bring a lot of real life experience in the classroom and last but not least there are a lot of hands-on practicum and study to opportunities which mm-hmm. made them to take advantage of yeah that's so cool and like yeah and it, it's, it's in such a like interesting location too right because I mm-hmm. mean I mean it's in DC right is that where yeah. it is yeah, and, like, uh-huh. that's sort of, like, where you want to be if you're doing anything, like, related mm-hmm. to, you know, IR. So that's so cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess I I think this is, like, something that, you know, a lot of people have questions about. Because um, mm-hmm. I think irrespective of, like, what grad school you're applying to, if it's not, like, medicine or law, obviously, um, mm-hmm. you have to, like, take the GRE and or the yeah. GMAT. Um, how did you prepare for the exam? Sorry, which one did you take? How did you prepare for them? And like, what mm-hmm. sort of tips do you have? Yeah, so I took the GRE. So the GMU usually, from my, from my understanding, people only take the GMAT when you apply to business schools. Mm-hmm. GRE is more widely used version. Although I do know some schools, they also take GMAT. But like, if you apply to, if you're like doing anything other than business, then you should probably should take the GRE. Mm-hmm. So I actually started like a few months before my, um, that, um, before I, took the exam so I would say start early don't mm-hmm. wait until the week before your exam like any other exam you take <laughs> um, for me registering for the exam early can help in terms of time management so I mm-hmm. um, so last summer I, I I scheduled my tests in August and I, I want to do it in October so I kind of know that oh I have two months to prepare and so this is what I should do to study and how much should I study every day. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have like time to kind of how to partition yeah. um, your review schedule. So um, I studied a bit every day. For me, I did 30, there's like um, three sections on the GRE, there's a verbal, and then there is math, and then there's, you have to do two essays. So for me, I did 30 verbal questions or 30 math questions per day. Mm-hmm. And I try to write a set of essays every weekend. Yeah. But if you're like too busy or you can kind of adjust that to fit your own schedule. Mm-hmm. And in terms of review materials, I really recommend the website Magoosh. So mm-hmm. um, it's M-A-G-O-O-S-H. anybody's interested in looking into that it shows how many questions you got right how many wrong and Mm -hmm. how many questions wrong and it projects GRE scores based on the data so I thought that was pretty cool that you can see that oh um um how many questions you did and uh um so what what score can you kind of what score range do you fall into if you actually take the actual tests? And they also have like a range of questions from easy to hard. So the test takers exposed to like different levels of difficulty. So I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty helpful for me. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I guess I'm curious how, like in the entire like application process, how, like how much do like the GRE and like GMAT matter? Like, do they matter more than your GPA or like, how does it work? 
I think it's important to get a a decent score so that you you don't have to like worry about it. I、mm-hmm. um I I do think they lost schools. They kind of a lot of schools they kind of adopt the GRE optional. That、uh, you can do like GRE optional. Oh really? Have to submit GRE scores, but it's. I personally think if you're good at standardized、wow. taking,、okay. you should probably take it because they they'll consider that they'll see that oh,、mm-hmm. um, it, it, so they'll they'll have more things, they'll have more your materials to base、yeah. upon, like、uh, how they um how um you know how they review all your materials. Yeah. Um, I would say it's just like、uh, if you get a decent score, you feel better too.、Uh, like you're more confident. Uh huh. Yeah. Like. I got so and so score, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have to like worry about it. About who,、um, will that score impact my chances of getting into grad school? <laughs>、mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. Like, I think that's great advice.、Um, mm-hmm. So, like, another part of sort of like the application that's really important for grad school is、mm-hmm. your recommendation letter. I think like it's especially important if you don't have like you know a lot of work experience and things like that.、Um, uh-huh. And I know you had like great recommendation letters and great professors、uh-huh. that you could draw on. So I guess my question is, how do you、um, build like a meaningful relationship with a professor where, you know, they're able to give you a rec- a really good recommendation letter? You know, not just something they're like writing without really knowing about you. Yeah. So I would definitely start with going to office hours. So、mm-hmm. honestly, professors love it when you go to the office hours because otherwise they. I have one professor telling me this. Otherwise, they're just sitting there. They're kind of bored. And if somebody、mm-hmm. comes to chat with them, they, I like, like, don't be scared. A lot of professors、yeah. actually love knowing more about their students, and it's great. Like, don't kind of don't see them as a professor. See them more as like a potential friend that you can,、mm-hmm. a potential mentor that you can talk to. Because obviously, they're very knowledgeable in their fields, and if you talk to them more, you get to know more about them, and they get to know more about you. So,、mm-hmm. a office like office hours is definitely a. A very good start, and like,、um, and if you if you can be a TA, it's a fantastic way to build a relationship with profs、mm-hmm. and get to know them. So in my case, I,、um, so I was a TA for Professor Aida Kusenova from、um, mm-hmm. the IU Jacobs School of Music,、mm-hmm. and I actually took two of her classes before, and I kind of got to know her.、Um, mm-hmm. I really like the things that she's. She studies that she talks about her、um, her fields of expertise. So I took her classes and I kind of just introduced myself to her and I kind of、mm-hmm. um, got to know her a little bit outside of class. And I got to and I'm pretty honored that she asked me if I can be her TA. And I got to know her a lot better. We I got to know her. She got to know me.、Mm-hmm. We were still、um, oh, we got to know each other on a pretty per,、uh, personal level.、Mm-hmm. So that's cool. And if you're in an organization, try to get to know your faculty advisors. Like they're there for a reason. Like they,、um, faculty advisors, they're they they advise you guys. They obviously they believe in what you guys do, so、mm-hmm. you already have that connection with them. So don't be afraid to talk to them and definitely get to know them. So and. This is more like in terms of like outside of campus. If you've done an internship or a job, don't be shy to reach out to your supervisor and people that you've gotten to know during、mm-hmm. your time there. Chances are you already know them pretty well since you worked together. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I like I completely agree with like everything you're saying. And Mm -hmm. um, just to add on to that, and I think this is something like Mm -hmm. probably you've mentioned to me already, but it's Mm -hmm. the idea of like you can't just go up to a professor randomly and like expect Mm -hmm. them to give you a recommendation letter, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, You have to like actively take initiative to like Uh make sure, like Varda said, that you're building a relationship with them and that Mm -hmm. they know what you're doing. You know, I, I know something Varda did was you know, mm-hmm. we have this organization that she's mentioned before, GBW, you know, so mm-hmm. like she invited, you know, her professor to some of our events, you know, she like actively mm-hmm. kept her like professors updated with like things she was doing. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that was like really like cool because I think that's sort mm-hmm. of translated into like all the great schools you got into because you had those mm-hmm. like recommendation letters. Mm hmm. Yeah, professors actually love going to, they love being invited to these events. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they yeah, get to speak, they get to yeah. know more, they get to Yeah, and I think, like, just, I, like, I, I agree, like, I think just, like, by nature of, like, their profession, you know, they're mm-hmm. constantly trying to, like, share information with students mm-hmm. and, like, mentor students and go out of their way to help them, you know? Yeah. So, uh-huh. like, literally all you have to do is, like, step into their office. <laughs> yeah. And it's really yeah. scary because Varda's yeah. mentioned this before, but like she's an INFJ and mm-hmm. um, so am I. Like those are her personality types. I'm a lot more extroverted than she is, but um, I'm still like very like introverted. And um, I like I, I know it's like a struggle, you know, sometimes to like mm-hmm. act, like take initiative to go to office hours, you know, but like yeah. after you do it the first time, it gets really easy like then onwards. It's just hard doing mm-hmm. it the first time, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. I guess it's all about taking the initiative, especially like, especially mm-hmm. when get, I feel like this is kind of going off topic with COVID yeah. and yeah, go for it. like face-to-face interaction is just going to be uh, like non-existent be a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and you kind of just interact more online. So that kind of requires you to step up, take action mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. I agree with her. Like, email your professors, you know, go to Zoom office hours, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly, yeah, just I, it's really hard, like, the first time you do it. But, like, mm-hmm. after that, it gets a lot easier. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to have, like, a question. You can just talk to them. They love, like, yeah. up to us. Like, yeah. They love, just- they love giving out information. It's literally part of the job description. So mm-hmm. they love that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I've, I've met like in my entire college career, I've only met one professor that did not like students come into his office hours. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so, that's pretty rare. So. Yeah. And like, if they're like that, you'll know, you don't have yeah. to, like, you just know. Yeah. You just know um, in class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess, um, you, like you've mentioned this a little, but, um, what mm-hmm. kind of extracurriculars were you involved in and like, are there specific type of extracurriculars that grad schools are looking for? Mm-hmm. So I'm involved in several extracurriculars. The most important one is probably Global Business Woman. I talked about Global Business Woman in all my application essays and all my interviews. Well, mm-hmm. the pen guy was pretty interested in it. He asked mm-hmm. me like, a bunch of questions yeah. on that. So I think like... Um, preferably, but so in terms of what kind of curriculums that grad schools are looking for, I think preferably something that has to do with what you, what you want to study. But in my experience, anything they're intensely passionate about, you chances are, well, th- there's a good chance you're going to talk about it. You're going to like, because mm-hmm. you invest so much time, invest so much effort, like literally it's your entire, like your heart is in it. It will, your passion will convey across to the admission comedy 
like they don't know. Like yeah. you talk about in interviews, you you we're probably going to talk about application letters, and it will no doubt that your passion is going to transfer across to them. That like, mm-hmm. this person is very involved in what they do, and they like that. They yeah. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, like specifically, like you were involved in like a lot of like leadership positions, right? Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> I would say so. So I, I think that's really helpful because you're able to like show them like you know what kind of transferable skills you have to grad school. Um, mm-hmm. I think especially if you're like I don't know, maybe I could be wrong, but like if you're on, if you're applying directly from like undergraduate to mm-hmm. like grad school, I feel like it's important to show mm-hmm. like your extracurricular experience and that you have like positions that have required you to like grow as like a person both like professionally mm-hmm. and personally if that makes sense mm-hmm. and um, you agree with that yeah i do i do and especially if you are doing ir if you mm-hmm. want to do something that's honestly have some kind of international experience which will, will help immensely mm-hmm. so take advantage yeah. of this study abroad program especially study abroad internships Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so you mentioned this a little, like you touched upon this um, passion, you know, um, mm-hmm. what role did like passion play in your decision of like moving away from business to going to international relations? And was it worth, um, I'm going to say risk, you know, because I, mm-hmm. I think like people think of business as like a mainstream, you know, profession where you're going to get like a 70, 60, whatever thousand starting salary at least, Mm -hmm. Um, you know? So yeah. Would you, would you say it was worth the quote risk? Yeah, I would say. Um, So I kind of came to realize this throughout going through my college career that you have to this is this might sound kind of idealistic, but I feel like you you should be at least kind of interested in what you want to do for the future. Mm-hmm. Because I came in like everybody else in Kelly as a finance and accounting major. Gross, JK. I, I like you guys. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> and then I took, and then everything went okay until I took my two required accounting classes and uh, I did not do well in that at all so I dropped accounting so I kept finance and then, and then I got to junior year and I took my two one of um, I have to take two required finance classes first exam failed miserably I was I was totally crushed I was crushed mm-hmm. and then I decided to talk to one of my good friends she's a year ahead of me she was a, well she, she graduated but she was a finance major then and she's like Barda if you don't if you absolutely hate this I, I sincerely advise you drop the major, do something that mm-hmm. you because it's only going to get harder and you're just going to hate your life. Mm-hmm. So I kind of looked around and I switched to marketing international business it just makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. And it just makes so much more sense. And I liked it so much better than mm-hmm. finance and yeah. accounting. And then I kind of came to realize that um, maybe I should do something that, and, my, and the most, um, one of the things that I'm incredibly lucky is that my parents realized that too, mm-hmm. that, that you kind of, um, so you want your, you, you kind of want your kid to actually do that, to pursue something mm-hmm. that they like and they'll be happy in it or like be measurable, be an accountant. Yeah. Um, you, you, you probably don't, then they kind of realize that, that they probably don't want that. Mm-hmm. So I was, I kind of started considering about, I started picking up this whole idea about international relations again and mm-hmm. had a conversation with my parents and 
um, and they finally agreed that I could do it for grad school. So, <laughs> wow! I mean, there's so much in that, like that I want to ask, like follow up questions to, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> like th- this, like friend that you talked to. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm was it like Catherine? Not Catherine. Okay. Uh, but Catherine did played a considerable part in it too. Yeah. So like Catherine, she is definitely one of the people that I met IU that I admired immensely. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I guess my question is, you know, like you have these like friends, you know, who are upperclassmen and you almost like you're all friends, but in a way like they are mentors, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my question is how like beneficial was it to you to like have people that you can consider mentors in your life and what role did they play in your like professional and personal success very i think mentors are an essential part of somebody's like somebody's upbringing somebody's growth you have to have Mm -hmm. like mentors mentors that actively look out for you they say they say things as it is like oh and they like don't um they don't put you down they Mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily just like put you down for reason to, to, to just put you down they they mm-hmm. pointed out things like oh i don't think like Varda, i i don't think that finances for you should do something else mm-hmm. like they added i say it as it is and i think that's very important in terms of being a mentor mm-hmm. and then yeah. seeing maybe like see um seeing qualities that um somebody that may not see in themselves and maybe point that out maybe push a little push to the right direction i think that's what like mentors um like my mentors have done for me and I'm incredibly mm-hmm. grateful for that. <laughs> no, I mean, I completely agree. And that's sort of why I asked you the question was, um, I just wanted to like talk about that for a while, you know, cause I think mentors are so valuable. Um, you mm-hmm. know, and like, I have a mentor in you and I have a mentor in like so many of my friends, you know, like I have people I can go and like ask for advice and they've been Mm -hmm. like crucial to my success. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just like, I know they have been to yours. Um, so Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah definitely like would recommend having mentors you know that like friends that you can rely on and ask questions Mm -hmm. to um Mm -hmm. that will answer willingly to like help you yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so I guess um you I I know you like talked a little bit about what made you interested in IR Mm -hmm. um what kind of like career path or like career paths, you know, are you considering like taking once you graduate and what are some type of job opportunities that IR opens? Um, so it's actually a lot. So a, a considerable am- amount of people from Johns, one Johns Hopkins size, that's the School of Advanced International, um, Internationals. <laughs> I forgot the S. I forgot what the S stands Maybe for. Studies. Wow. <laughs> studies there we go um, <laughs> so they actually go into the private sector which is pretty surprising to me but for mm-hmm. me i kind of geared towards either working for a think tank or mm-hmm. doing something for like a multilateral like say the united nations might be cool and then and i know a lot of people that also go into um on the world bank because mm-hmm. they do like analysis for the world bank and then i know that some people they so um they also maybe they can also go on and get a phd that's also an option as well so mm-hmm. the um, list of so the the list of things you can do is actually pretty broad yeah i mean that sounds broad and that's so cool you know like everything from like a phd to working at like a multilateral and a think tank that's so cool um mm-hmm. yeah so i i 
I want to switch gears a little and talk, um, you know, more about your personal experiences um, throughout your entire college journey and even now. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's start sort of at the beginning. You know, when you moved to the U.S., I I guess, how old were you? And, um, you know, when you moved, what were some like big cultural differences that you felt? Mm Mm-hmm. So um I was like for so I was like 14 15 when I mm-hmm. moved here and some cultural differences honestly like I don't know because I feel like it's probably because I'm so young I kind of just I kind of just kind of just um take took up everything like a sponge mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> culture <laughs> but yeah. I like not that there's definitely like culture clashes but i'm a pretty oblivious person mm-hmm. i said so just yeah. either i don't notice them or they go over my head yeah i just don't remember them because i literally can't remember any on top of my head yeah mm-hmm. like i definitely relate to that i think i'm in the same category mm-hmm. i'm pretty oblivious to cultural differences i think that's a good thing sometimes because you don't get like scared to you know interact with people that are very from different backgrounds from you mm-hmm. um so yeah, I don't think that's all bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I just I always wanted to have friends all over the world, so that mm-hmm. kind of contributed to that. Yeah, to an extent too. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like you're like a kid, you just moved to a new place. Of course, you want new friends, and you just mm-hmm. so you kind of just forego. Or, so you kind of just have to jump into the whole hodgepodge of people and mm-hmm. introduce yourself. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't think New York, like New Yorkers, they don't care too. They don't care too much. Oh, true. I forgot you did move to New York. That's very, yeah. I think Mm -hmm. that definitely, yeah. I think the Mm -hmm. place you moved to would definitely make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I guess like up until date, you know, were there any like personal or professional challenges that you feel like you've faced, you know, just as an international student in the U.S., whether they were, like, mental barriers in your own head or, you mm-hmm. know, experiences that you've had or anything? Yeah, so so since I moved to the U.S. Was, um, when I was so young, I was away from family, from, from my family, my parents. I do have family in New York, so my, mm-hmm. my grandparents, my dad's parents, they actually, they actually live in Queens, and mm-hmm. my great uncle, his family is also there, so I do have some family, but I was away from my parents for most of my formative adolescence years, so therefore I had to be very independent, had to like figure out stuff on yeah. my own, and I think that definitely, so um, I don't like relying upon people, and maybe I have like, I feel like that kind of contributed a little bit, me having like trust, I don't trust a lot of people, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So that definitely contributed to me having trusting trusting issues. And I sometimes felt like this is something that I more and more. This is this is just something that I felt more and more when I when I grow up. Like I'm too Chinese to be American. I'm too American to be Chinese. Mm, so the identity like crisis. So it's just so, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, it's just like I realized that this identity issue is something that I have to kind of reconcile this whole because China and America are two very different countries. Mm-hmm. We kind of just have to be how do you how do yeah. you come to terms with that is mm-hmm. something that I realized I have to deal with the rest of my life. But at like at on on the on like the bright side it kind of made me more international. I can relate to a lot of things. I can talk about a lot of things to talk about and it made me more global. So I kind of see myself as a global citizen. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I like could not possibly relate to that more than I relate to it, you know? Um, like, I, I think for me, it was always like, you're too like American to be Indian or you're too Indian mm-hmm. to be American. So you're basically neither. Um, and then at some point, I think I just like disassociated with my national identity. I was like, whatever, you know, I'm never going to be anything. So I'm just going to be literally like, I have the same like concept of you as like being Mm -hmm. like a global citizen. And I just truly like, I I think like for me, like my identity as a human has always come first before anything else. So I think that just became like a much easier thing for me to do to like push my national identity as like to like the bottom of like my identity matrix if that is even a thing or I just made that up I don't know (laughs) definitely because at the end of the day we're all humans Mm -hmm. we um I actually had a conversation yeah (laughs) the other day we all cry when we're sad we all laugh when we're we're, we're happy we um so yeah yeah (laughs) you can't tell we're both two INFJs having this conversation (laughs) 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 oh my god (laughs) um yeah uh yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah I guess sort of like switching gears from that um what are some like tips that you have for like domestic students to be more inclusive and encouraging and also maybe for international students who are you know scared to I guess reach outside of the community yeah so for a domestic student I would say be conscious of your biases know that you might have a different thought process and might un- because the way that you're raised and people mm-hmm. people just raised differently that's just a thing that's very normal and that you kind of can't but you kind of have to like be conscious of that may unfairly judge people because of these biases that you might have unknowingly developed mm-hmm. um and then maybe realize that um international students they have drastically different life experiences than you Mm so um so maybe like make an effort Mm -hmm. to feel value her and include it whether it be like working at group project and like social settings because uh, a lot of times i heard like international students they i heard from domestic students that i heard from international students domestic students would be oh that international student just like sit there and they don't say anything Mm -hmm. and then then international students would be like oh the domestic students they kind of took up all the conversation i i feel like i don't um they said everything so i guess i don't have anything to contribute i don't know i Mm -hmm. feel like i don't have any value to contribute or nobody nobody kind of included in the conversation they just went yeah. off on their own um little bubble and i don't think it's anybody's fault like it requires some kind of like effort from both sides to mm-hmm. like maybe for international students know that it's okay to it's like okay it's, it's okay to speak up i don't think um nobody's gonna judge you mm-hmm. like if they judge you then i don't think they're like they are a good teammate or a, a good potential friend in the first place. So mm-hmm. don't care. maybe just step out a little bubble one step at a time. And for domestic students, maybe a little more effort to make the international student feel um, included. And mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. pretty important. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, and this is something that Don, our advisor for GBW, told us is this idea of like mm-hmm. – um, like and it's so like these like cultural differences are so like nuanced you know you think it's like uh-huh. very simple but it's really not um um and i think it takes a lot of like effort for people to like you know integrate with each other and like interact with each other when they're from different cultures and um mm-hmm. don talked about how um in group projects like 
domestic students would always just assume that like international students didn't feel comfortable contributing but Mm -hmm. a lot of international students didn't speak up because like in the culture that they're from you know you Uh don't speak unless somebody you know acted like says like what do you think you know Uh like domestic students like because like like most of them and again like this is so like very like boxed I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't fit into these two categories and all of that Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um the general trend is that they tend to just like speak you know you don't need someone to like prompt you to speak or ask you what you think Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just like culturally what happens in a lot of cultures that are outside of the U.S. you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah I think I think something I'd say that like I read Varda is just like learn to like listen to -hmm. other people you know not just like hearing them but like actively listening to them and I think that's something that like all of us need to practice but yeah yeah no definitely being a good listener is great (laughs) still struggle with it yeah (laughs) but I'm trying to get better (laughs) yeah I think we're all we're all trying to get better Mm -hmm. and realizing that's a big step so yeah Mm-hmm. So I guess you come from, you know, a very interesting background of like having grown up in China till you were 14, 15, and then you grew up in the US, you know, how mm-hmm. like, like, what kind of role did you feel like your cultural background, you know, played in your success or like your sort of career path so far? Um, I would say very important. I call myself a global citizen, but mm-hmm. no matter where I am and where I may go in the future, Mm-hmm. I will always be proud of my Chinese roots and heritage. Yeah. In my opinion, always being aware of and honoring where I come from plays a, ma- plays a major part in shaping. I have a pretty, I would say, um, my identity. So it plays a pretty major part in shaping my identity because mm-hmm. you can't change that, where you're from. So yeah. knowing where you're from is a part of discovering yourself. Yeah, yeah. I agree completely. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true. And I think there's like so many great things that you can pick up, you know, that mm-hmm. you learn as a child, you know, in the culture you grew up in that you take mm-hmm. with you through life. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, 100% agreed. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that like coming to college or just, you know, entering new areas and stuff, and I'm uh-huh. sure you probably have this in high school, you yeah. see a lot of like very successful people <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and people that you think are doing incredibly well and super talented. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, you're on the same sort of platform as them. Mm-hmm. So have you ever like felt like the imposter, imposter syndrome? And I guess, how do you sort of deal with that? I just had a very long conversation about this with my two friends last night. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> <laughs> because especially with COVID, I guess we're just all stuck inside our homes and mm-hmm. in a way stuck inside our heads too. Yeah. We have nowhere to go. So you're kind of stuck with your own thoughts. You kind of just bump, you kind of you kind of just think about that. And I honestly I am always somebody that I struggle mm-hmm. a lot with insecurity i'm a mm-hmm. very insecure person i i hate public speaking mm-hmm. <laughs> and i just oh what does that what, what is that person thinking of me and mm-hmm. what oh do you think that person liked me did i make a good impression mm-hmm. and in that ways i i also have a pretty major um case of imposter syndrome and yeah. i, I kind of like my so i'm kind of still working through that slowly doing more affirmations like saying nice things about yourself maybe um say nice things about myself and 
one of my friends, she suggested keeping a journal for that. Maybe just write something you're grateful for every day. Mm-hmm. I haven't started it, but maybe something, maybe, maybe something to try out. Mm-hmm. So I think that everybody, no matter how confident they are, they do kind of struggle a little bit inside yeah. sometimes because you. Um, and again, in day we're just all human, and yeah. we have weaknesses, and it's just. Yeah. Don't be too hard on yourself, at the end. Don't be too hard on yourself. There's only so much you can do. And if you, like my mom always said, as long as you put all your effort into it, you try, you still fail. Just, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't, like, you shouldn't have any regrets. <laughs> yeah, completely agree. Um, yeah, and I, I think I, like, agree with you. Where I think it's, like, what all of us feel because we just keep comparing ourselves to, like, mm-hmm. the people around us. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I think, like, there's ways to, like, use it to, like, motivate yourself. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, if it's getting to a point where it's, like, not adding to your success or not adding to your, like, mental health, mm-hmm. um, then I think that um, you just have to realize that you're very strong and very capable as well. And if mm-hmm. you're there in that sort of area or, like, avenue or platform or whatever that these other incredible people are there, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, just... <laughs> I guess <laughs> just be thankful. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Yeah. Just be thankful and like, just know that they, you, it's exactly like Varda say, you know, they, they have their own issues too and they have mm-hmm. their own flaws. Like everybody seems great, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of times we have this tendency to like doubt ourselves, but I mean, mm-hmm. it also really helps if you talk to a friend, you know, cause I yeah. think like sometimes we like, we, we treat ourselves like terribly, you know, mm-hmm. and I think oh, it takes okay. like an outside mm-hmm. perspective to like help us realize that we're being very like extreme with how we're assessing mm-hmm. our own capabilities and inaccurate. Mm-hmm. My friend literally threatened to because I, um, my friend one time she threatened to like, Barda, I'm going to record you to mm-hmm. the things you said sometimes and play it back to you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like we would we would never say those things to our friends, you know, then why are we saying those to ourselves? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's rough. It's it's a journey. It's a process. <laughs> it's definitely a process. And I think we're we're still um we're like twenty something, we're like early twenties, mm, like yeah, like eighteen. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's okay. Like you're still coming into yourself. You're still discovering yeah. stuff about yourself. And it should be like a lifelong journey. So just kind of enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It is a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess this is a very like interesting question because again, like I think you have sort of an interesting career path of like switching from something like mainstream, like business to like IR and then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just also your cultural background that you come from. I know like, you know, just having grown up in India, like I know there's a lot of sort of pressure to succeed, you know, (laughs) and do Mm -hmm. really great things, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, bring honor into your family and all that oh. stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. you, there's this line in Milan where she goes, I will bring honor to us all. I just felt that at such a different level. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess, how do you deal with the pressure to succeed? And did you like f- ever feel that? Oh, all the time. Yeah. I am kind of like the oldest cousin in my family. And you know, like how Chinese mm-hmm. are. I feel like yeah. 
patients might relate to that, that you are very close with your extended, you have like extended family, you have like family gatherings, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, and so this cousin did this, did that. So I was one of the oldest cousins in my family. And I've always been like a, I've always been a good kid growing mm-hmm. up. I was always, I get, I get good grades in school and the pressure was always there. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess a process of like, coming in like moving to a new place and I did good in high school too I was I was smart in high um I got good grades in high school and I kind of learned but I kind of came to college and um and you kind of have to learn how to fail in a way Mm -hmm. my freshman year I love that mm -hmm, you my freshman year is was hard Mm -hmm. um I I was just trying to get used to things get used to because when I was in New York I lived with my grandparents and mm-hmm. I have a lot of things taken care of. But once you come to college, you kind of have to figure a lot of things out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you also, on top of that, the, the classes are hard. The classes got harder because before college, um, um, I would call myself like decently smart. I would say like, I get by. <laughs> you're <laughs> smart. You're smart. I promise you're smart. <laughs> you got into Johns Hopkins. You're smart. This is this right here is the insecurities and the imposter syndrome live for all of you all to hear. <laughs> oh my God. But okay, I guess I'm smart. Um, yeah, you are. So I, I didn't necessarily worked very hard in high school and I got very good grades. So I mm-hmm. kind of just expected college to be like that was not so Mm -hmm. it was like a freshman year was kind of like a a pitfall for maybe also like an eye opener so you kind of have to learn how to fail you need to fail you need Mm -hmm. that because you once you feel like you're untouchable and then when you fall it's going to be a very long way down Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so yeah so don't put too much pressure on yourself because failure is success well failure is success in a way like what you learn from them your failure and how you take that, how you apply that lesson to um, your future career, your future life. That's the more important part. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> no, that that is so true. I could not have put it better. Like failure literally is success in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really up to you as an individual to take, you know, your failure and turn it into you know, something great because it really can be something great. I think mm-hmm. that, um, like, honestly, like, I just think everyone should fail at something really big, you, need you know? To. Yeah. You just, need like, to. fail at something really big. And then after that, every time you fail, it's, like, it mm-hmm. hurts. But then you're also, like, I've had worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I think my big failure was, like, college because um, I, yeah. I really mm-hmm. did not, like, want to come to IU. Um, I think I had, like, it's a mm-hmm. – because, like, growing up in India, there's, like, this pressure to, like, go to Ivies or, like, you know, the top, mm-hmm. like, be like mm-hmm. you know seven percent eight percent acceptance rate schools and stuff like Such that a common asian thing yeah so asian <laughs> so asian you're asians you're not Asian. yeah i mean like i've like iu was like my safe that i never thought i was gonna end up with in my wildest dreams you know and i was not even an overconfident Me. kid i was the most Me. like you too you me too. Yeah, Me too. yeah. I applied to four Ivies. My undergrad, I 
I got rejected of all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. I got, I got rejected from like everything except my safes. And I was not an overconfident mm-hmm. kid. I was one of the most underconfident people I've ever known in my entire life. Uh-huh. I, you know, I just, I wore the same hairstyle to school every day because I didn't want people to like notice me if I changed my hairstyle. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with that like shitty level of confidence, I still thought I was going to definitely get into IU. So not mm-hmm. getting into IU was like, an ultimate sorry not getting mm-hmm. into like not getting into like my other schools mm-hmm. and my targets even and just ending up with just IU was um I think it was the most like biggest failure I've ever experienced and it's the mm-hmm. best it's the single best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life and I'm not mm-hmm. saying every failure is going to be the best thing that's ha- going to happen to someone in their life mm-hmm. I mean my biggest failure was the best thing that happened to me in my entire life and that gave me this perspective of like mm-hmm. every time I fail it's something now I just feel like there's something to learn from this and there's going to be something great that eventually comes along the way that's you know Uh right for me and that's my way of dealing with failure but Uh unless you experience a really big failure it's it's sort of hard to understand your process of dealing with failure because I think everybody has their own um Uh But I guess I guess my point is like Varda said, don't run from it. You know, failure mm-hmm. is a great thing, and don't run from it. That doesn't mean you have to fail at everything, you know. But mm-hmm. don't run from it and let it happen if it happens, and mm-hmm. learn from that because um, that's mm-hmm. so important. Mm-hmm. Like if something's not for you, then it's not for you. If something yeah. is yours, something's meant to be yours, you can't hide from it. Like Hashtag you can't. Fate. <laughs> yeah, it's fate. fate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do believe in fate. So mm-hmm. I, well, fate made me end up by you. So yeah, <laughs> that, no, that's literally like my entire decision making process for everything is that I think the worst thing that I ever thought happened to me was having to go to IU. Uh-huh. And honestly, I thought that too. Like I, well, cause I, IU, cause I remember vividly like the IU school of uh, OIS, the yeah. office of international service. I had yeah. the ambassador they keep calling me I keep not answering the phone yeah no I like I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to me and I like cried the entire summer before I got because I had like my friends were getting into like the schools they wanted to get into you know one of my friends like was going to UPenn and that had like what a seven person acceptance rate and uh-huh. my other friend was going to like St. Andrews in Scotland where like uh-huh. William went and that had like an eight person acceptance rate and then here mm-hmm. I was going to IU and IU had mm-hmm. like a 70 eight percent acceptance rate i was like this is it like i'm a failure i am done for life you know Dude, that um, was my summer too i literally yeah. feel like a failure the entire yeah. summer i have never failed as bad as i have in that moment but there has never been something that it is just the single best thing that ever happened to me in my yeah. entire life like i yeah without ne- like no negotiation that's just the best thing that's ever happened to me yeah i met um, some friends for life i made some yeah. like oh my life. god yeah and I yeah. literally, like, I've changed so much as a person, and it's because of that, quote, failure that I experienced, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah. Definitely, mm-hmm. like, agree with Varda on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is just, like, two INFJs, like, you know, imposing our perspective. No, I mean, we recognize that you're all probably different. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess... 
my like my next question is sort of you know there's a lot of situations where you know we navigate as you know i'm like as people of color you know i'm brown and you know you're um you're chinese and i'm indian and just like from Mm -hmm. that background you know in classrooms or in like you know workplaces that aren't like overtly racist you know because i don't think people Uh are like actively trying to be racist or like actively Mm -hmm. trying to be mean at least i I, i'm sure there's a lot of people like that i just have never Uh met them or like experienced that like personally but Uh i think sometimes people can say things that they don't realize are racist or Mm -hmm. they don't realize are offensive to us or even sexist you know like as women because i mean we are an intersection of all these identities Mm -hmm. um you know, in situations like that, like, how do you, like, handle having, like, those difficult conversations with people you're working with and, mm-hmm. you know, respectfully explaining to them that you understand it wasn't their intention, but uh-huh. it was their impact, you know, I guess? I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I was very honored a month ago to be able to sat in on a, a conversation between the JHU size dean and... Um, the former secure, uh, Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice. Mm-hmm. And she actually answered, she actually touched upon, upon this in like mm-hmm. a similar way. So as a, as a Black woman in mm-hmm. um, like Washington, D.C., which is filled with um, white male bureaucrats. Yeah, sounds like Kelly. <laughs> sounds like Kelly, yeah. <laughs> so the way that she went about it, she's like, people necessarily, they aren't necessary have the intention yeah but it's very likely that they haven't experienced that ever in your life like they haven't had the experience ever Mm -hmm. in their life so it's kind of in that case if you experience something like that it's your responsibility to educate them so Mm -hmm. oh hey here's my here's a different perspective i actually experienced this let me so let me tell you about it Mm -hmm. so that's kind of her take on yeah. it <laughs> I mean I I agree with that I just I I agree with that and um I do think it's uh your responsibility to educate people um and I do think that we shy away from those conversations a lot of the times because you know mm-hmm. we know these people we work with them and uh-huh. we make excuses for them but also like mm-hmm. like I understand that that wasn't their intention you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah um but that doesn't change the fact that that was their impact, you know, uh-huh. um, and that oh, they shouldn't yeah. like have to like have that impact on any other people they meet in the future mm-hmm. who, you know, might have that like have to deal with the consequences of the words they're saying or the mm-hmm. actions, you know, that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree with that. I wonder, like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's just really hard to like start those conversations, though. You know, yeah. Like when people are being sexist to you, but you're also like, and I mm-hmm. think I say sexist because again, like I've said this before, and it's not necessarily a healthy thing, but I'm a little mm-hmm. oblivious to sort of people being like, like mm-hmm. racist to me just because I don't think about my national identity that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think my identity as a woman is really important to me. So I just, uh-huh. I pick up on sexism more than I do racism. Uh-huh. Um, but like, I mean, it happens a lot, you know, especially like, cause I mean, in Kelly, like just in Kelly and Kelly's a representation of like most work environments and industries, if you ask me, but mm-hmm. um, there's so many men, you know, and no matter uh-huh. what team you're on, there's going to be way more men. There are women, you know, like uh-huh. most of my teams have like one or two girls. Uh-huh. And, it's so like difficult to have a conversation with um 
guys when they like disregard your opinion you know just Uh because you're a girl or like stereotype you you know it's like you're sitting Mm -hmm. in like a group project and like somebody Uh has to take notes and they automatically assume you should be the one taking notes because you're a girl and i'm like my handwriting is trash you know i actually never really experienced that that's happened to me that's happened because i'm i always kind of i kind of expected that so i kind of just add i just you I just, just like re- yeah, myself take, at yeah. assertive, very yeah. assertive. Just be like, okay, so you're gonna do this, that, 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 that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I've definitely like been asked to take notes before, like multiple times, and I just don't want to do it because <laughs> my mm. handwriting is terrible. <laughs> um, or you know, just it's like overcome. yeah, and situations like I that. I, I agree with you though that I think it's really important to talk about it and have those conversations. Um, even uh-huh. it's difficult. To just just kind of like make them realize that oh mm-hmm. yeah people had people people have different experiences than and the new did and mm-hmm. it's important to know about these experiences and educate yourself and yeah. realize that you have this um, underlying um, racist view or like any bias underlying biases yeah um, yeah and you should do better yeah <laughs> yeah I agree I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. I think those type of conversations are often better had Mm -hmm. one-on-one. You know, maybe just talk to them separately and don't talk to them in front of the group because I think Mm -hmm. having a group there sort of adds this like added pressure on them because, you know, you're sort of calling them out in front of people and it's not necessarily received in the best way or Mm -hmm. the most productive way, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I guess like another thing, that is like along similar lines is um, mental health, you know, and mm-hmm. I've been sort of talking about mental health with a lot of my guests because I think it's a very important thing to talk about, um, uh-huh. you know, irrespective of what industry, what background, any of that, it's, <laughs> you know, it's as prevalent as anything. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess mental health isn't like something that's spoken of in many cultures, you know, just coming from India. I know that like, you know, people mm-hmm. don't talk about mental health in India. <laughs> Oh, definitely wow. do not talk about mental health in India. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, in, I guess. In, well, yeah, in, in China too, it's like it's mm-hmm. you keep it on the quiet. <laughs> you keep it down low. Mm-hmm. It's and it's almost seen as like a weakness. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so I guess like, how can we learn to like undo? you know, that sort of, like, history where we grew up in cultures where we didn't talk about mental health and how can we learn to, like, prioritize mental health and also feel comfortable to have conversations about it with, you know, mm-hmm. our friends or, you know, at least our friends? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you you got to start from yourself first. Like, be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because you got to be kind to yourself. You got to love yourself before you can spread that to other people. Mm-hmm. Kind of be in more in tune with your body either like there's many ways i think there's many ways to educate yourself upon that nowadays mm-hmm. kind of just know what your but know what your body needs oh i'm tired uh oh i'm tired maybe like take a nap like don't mm-hmm. sit in front of the laptop and just work all day like um take a um mm-hmm. like take a break and um just be just be nice to yourself first and mm-hmm. kind of um get in touch with um how your body, how your mind is feeling, because when you when you feel, um, when you just feel sad, when you feel mm-hmm. bad, you, um, you kind of feel that you kind of know that, and mm-hmm. um, just um, I would say like it kind of goes back to 
uh, uh, the things that we are, that we talked about earlier. Like mm-hmm. be nice to yourself. Know that this is this is all part of being human. Like yes, yeah. it's, it's it's very natural. And sometimes the body they they it's these conditions they're they're natural. Mm-hmm. It's just like any um like any other illnesses. I would oh, say yeah. Like it's like just like it's like a cold, but it's like it's like a cold, but it's not your body. It's your mind. Your mind had a cold. Mm-hmm. Like you don't and, expect, like you don't expect to like go through life without having like physical injuries and physical illnesses, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you shouldn't expect for like mental illnesses to like not exist as you go through life, you know, because yeah. they're not the same. But like Varda's saying, they're very similar, um, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. I feel like coming to terms with yourself can help you kind of um, help your friends in a way. Just mm-hmm. be here for your friends, be a good friend. Don't um, don't judge them. Don't yeah. Just be there, just be there for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess to like wrap it up, I just have like one last um, question for you. If you yeah. could go back in time and you know give a young woman like yourself who is aspiring to go to grad school or, you know, who was just moving to the U.S. from China, um, mm-hmm. or going to college, any advice, what would it be? Um, I would say trust the process. Like, you're exactly where you're supposed to be mm-hmm. right now. Have confidence. Show your personality. Some people mm-hmm. are not going to like you, so what? Like, you're probably not going to like these people either. You're going to find yeah. your you will find your crew, you will find your gang. And that we applying to grad school, we applying to a job, like you have value, you have so much value. These people, they mm-hmm. want you like, why, why, why not? Why, like, why not me? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like have just confidence in yourself. If you want something, just go for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you're a queen. <laughs> yeah. All queens. Yeah, we are. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Warda. This has been so fun. And I think this has been this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people listening. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I just hope that I make sense. And no, you I made wasn't rambling so much because I tend to ramble. <laughs> you made as much sense as an INFJ can make. So <laughs> you're good. <laughs> like, I think a lot. I just don't. It doesn't necessarily, I just don't know how to no, say it. No, you're great. Don't worry about it. You're great. Yeah, and to everyone else that's listening, um, I have some incredible speakers just like Varda planned up who've come on and are going to come on in the future of the podcast. Um, so follow us on Instagram at When She Hustles, and I hope you'll all join us next week. Until then, just keep hustling.